Okay, this week, cue the rave music. We're talking about some MDMA with the documentary Dirty Pictures by Etienne Soré. We're kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. There's anything that could be haunted? For sure that fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dock I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. He was pulled out of power and he was murdered by firing squad. I'll start having pain. Three dudes in a dock. That's the one. That, that is what it's called. Okay, so, uh, yeah, there's Mitch with the rave music. Uh, it's DJ Mitch. No, D- come on, guys. Nice. DJ Henny. DJ M? DJ oh. Henny. Oh, and I have to wear, like, a chicken head costume? Yeah. I like where you're at, Tyler. Mm-hmm. DJ Henny. I like it. <laughs> and only drink Hennessy, and yeah. even though I don't really drink, but. Oh, my God. This is getting deeper and deeper. I don't want to do this now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need some MDMA, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, last week we chose uh, 2010 documentary, Dirty Pictures. Yes. Didn't know the, anything about it? No. Never heard about it? Yeah. So, I when I started watching this, I, I really didn't understand where the title fit in. Yes. And it, it kind of it explains at the end. It right? very does, which in a very cool way that we'll yeah. get to later. Yeah. yeah. It does kind of keep it a secret. And, yeah. And, not at all what I was expecting. Like when, so this documentary in, introduced you to uh, Alexander Shuglin or Shulgin. Shulgin. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Who goes by Sasha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his his wife or partner or whatever she is. Uh, um, I thought it was his wife, but then it makes it clear that maybe she isn't at, near the end yeah, of the documentary. I don't think they. I think they're just yeah, together. They've been together for a yeah. long time. Um, but anyways. And. Yeah, she, yeah, and, uh, well, I think her name was Anne Shulgin, so they must have been married, so. She could have just decided to change her name, too, I guess. That is also They so are progressive. Good yeah, they, you. they definitely use the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when she was talking about being a, uh, like a, almost, not a sex therapist, but, you know, she writes books about, you know, their um, experiences having sex while on MDMA. <laughs> And these different psychoactive uh, drugs. I, I thought that's how it was going to play into it sometime, but we'll we'll explain how it comes into play mm-hmm. later. Yeah, I yeah I didn't I didn't pick that up at all. Maybe I missed a sentence of hers or two that she actually wrote books on that subject. But I thought that she was writing, and that was just a, a deep part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I missed that too. Yeah, yeah, cool. Because cool, at one point she cool. says, uh, you know, I think it, it's really embarrassing for my kids. Yeah, you know, she said, yeah. uh, you know. I'm putting out these books about what our sex life is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. on these drugs. And they're like, oh. I wonder if she was actually referring to the two books that they had written together, P-Call and T-Call. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because that seems to be by the desk side of every single like chemistry student yeah. out there that they investigated. They talked yeah. to uh, that, that bald fella. I can't remember his name. But... I, he referenced it as well, and a couple of Sasha's friends had referenced it. Yeah. That it's mm-hmm. it's next to their their table side whenever they're doing studying or research, or it's just a good reference book. But mm-hmm. I also, at that same time, if it's like that, I can't see it having major sections on sexual activity 
under the influence of yeah. chemistry. No, I, I think I think these are books that she wrote independently okay. herself, and I think most of them are about um, sexual cool. interaction cool. while cool. on cool. on MDMA. Cool. There's, so I mean, yeah, all kinds of drugs. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Sasha was, or is? I guess he's still alive, no, right? He no? died in 2014. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, he was in his 70s or yeah, 80s yeah. when this was done in Because when he was younger, was he in the Navy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for like the later half of the Second World War, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, like the uh, last year. Korean War, wasn't it? I no, it was like 44, 45. Yeah, I thought it was like 42, 45. He was I don't know if it was that long, but yeah, he was in a boat. Uh, maybe. Shooting yeah. Koreans, shooting different... I mean, his age, People. if he died in 2014, it would make sense that it was more the yeah. Korean War. He may have been too young to participate in World War II. Makes what? sense. But I thought it said 44, 45, so it was like the later half. Because he went or to... Like the last part. He went to Harvard for two years, and I thought that was in the 40s, and he was only 15 when he went to Harvard. 42 mm-hmm. to 44 or something. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. sounds... That, that sounds makes more, more sense. And yeah. then, like, throw him in the military when he's 16... And he's that smart. Yeah. So like in general, this this story, well, Tyler confirms this, is basically the story of uh, a guy who had a deep interest in chemistry. Yeah. And Super smart. To, yeah. Just direct his, his talents and his passions towards investigating what it means to be a human and to influence that experience with various substances. And how he got to that point in his life, um, like graduating school, and then he worked for Dow Chemical, right? Mm-hmm. And created some pesticide so, that made them mafia-type gazillions of dollars. So they yeah. were just like, do whatever you want. So that's when he got into what Christian was talking about. Yeah, they definitely gave him... A section of the lab and yeah which is super cool that they just funded his interest yeah when they're like oh this guy what, what do you want like we'll give you whatever you need just make a shit or like just go mm-hmm. and create so i hate to admit it but mitchell's right okay he uh dropped out of harvard in 1943 uh to join the u.s navy while serving on the uss pope um during World War II. In yes. the Navy. Yeah. They did talk about all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then he went to Berkeley uh, and got his PhD in 1954. Nice. So that guy has potential to have seen like World War II action and then goes on to like trip balls. Right. Yeah. That's what I would do. Holy fuck, yeah. I think, I think that's what they're all doing now is they go out to military for a few years and then they come back and just do drugs for the rest of their life because they're <laughs> uh, so fucked up. Yeah, good call. Okay, um, cool. That was just a natural progression of an American. Yeah. But, oh, okay. But to hit on what uh, Mitch said, the fact that like, he worked for Dow Chemical made this slug uh, pesticide, basically. Yeah. Um, it was just that, what was the shit that like was super deadly that like killed the birds? I don't know. Fuck, I went to make a joke. And I didn't know what the chemical <laughs> was called. Chemistry joke. <sighs> Never mind. Oh, f- but, oh, fuck, it's going to bother me. But but yeah, whatever. It, it's insane the fact that Dow Chemicals just gave him basically license to do whatever he want because mm-hmm. he made them tons of money mm-hmm. uh, until the government's like, eh, you know what? No, we're going to make ecstasy bad. Not, uh, It's not going to be good anymore. And they made it a Schedule 1. Uh, mm-hmm. controlled substance but it was invented like 
ecstasy was invented in like the 20s right or like pre-world war one by uh, a german the germans yeah i think yeah. it was ger- during world war ii i think okay yeah I so think, i think it was like early world war ii yeah and then he f- stumbled upon it in like the 50s right mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was like a textbook he yeah. he was like oh the Let's let's re see, rehash this. See, and, that's what when we were watching when Christian and I were watching this, I was like, Man, say what you want about how fucked up America is, but American innovation is beautiful. Because sure. like there was no German guy that invented that and then was like, Let me give that a lick and see what happens. Yeah. This American well, was like, Hey, on paper, this looks like it might do something. So let's see. I think I can't, I can't remember the the reason the Germans came up with it. Um It was accidental, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember, but it, it was supposed to be a, a chemical for war. Um, but then that's kind of like in the first five minutes or like mm-hmm. it, when they realized it wasn't, couldn't be used for war. Yeah. Like there's, there's no use for it. These guys are hugging gypsies. Kinda, They're not shooting them in the head. What's yeah, going on here? They just kind of, um, shelved it. Yeah. Uh, and that was the scene with the black and white with like, they're dabbing it on the monkey. Mm. <laughs> that's a kind of a weird dark moment in history that if like these German dudes stumbled upon something that they're like, Oh shit, we made people like really mellow and not want to kill each other. But like, no, get rid of that. Fuck that. <laughs> we but, can't have that. Anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think, true. I don't think they had taken it orally. So I think like they had tried to do something with it either maybe through injection or something, but, um, they should have I put think, it up their butts and then I think they would have been tripping balls. Shulgin was the first one to do it orally. I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and I think obviously that's what it takes for it to to work. It's it's magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the principle of his whole research was that you you understand these chemicals and these syntheses so much to the point where you can ingest them safely, knowing that it won't compromise right. you mm-hmm. as an organism, but it will change you. Yeah. Well, and that's what he said. Like he started, you know, with twenty milligrams, then. Bumped it up to 30, 40, and then to get to a point where he wasn't completely out of control, but that was a, a good milligram. That <laughs> I'm not completely that, in control. <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't fuck you and hurt you, but it was still safe to use. Uh, it's reminiscent of like Native American trips. Yeah. Uh, trips, I guess I, I maybe should have said um, like a spirit quest yeah. in the commercial sense because I really, I'm not at license to talk about Native American spiritual quests sure. or journeys or these coming of age experiences, yeah. but probably shouldn't go to like too far away from the tribe. Can't stay too close either because if you go too far away, you'll get lost and die and it's useless to you. But if you stay too close, I mean, you're not going to learn anything yeah. and it's again, useless to you that there's definitely a Goldilocks for sure. pretty much everything. And I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's the same perspective that drugs were seen with is that these things, these tools and creations can bring us to meaningful places. But if you take too much, it can destroy you. Yeah. If you don't take enough, well, you're wasting your time. Well, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I love that like his scientific method with it. It was like, okay, yeah. Like I take it myself first and then I document like, and he writes everything down. Like he has a, a rating scale of like, you know, like minus one, I think it was to plus four. He said, "Yeah, four does, pluses." Yeah, he doesn't hit four pluses very often. Like that's where he feels like out of control <laughs> and, and doesn't like it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but plus three is like the, the Goldilocks zone, like, yeah. you, like yeah. you said. Um, but yeah, so he takes himself, he documents, you know, what the trip was like, everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he brings his wife, Anne, in. And they take it together, see if they share the same experience or if it's just one of them that is, he's, he said, oh, if it's to see if it's me, that's just strange. Mm-hmm. That, that was his words. Yeah. So what then a fucking cool guy. Yeah. And so they compare theirs and then he brings in his research group, which he said is like eight to 10 people. Yeah. And they all take it. And, you know, maybe, you know, say Christian has a little bit bigger tolerance. He'll take a little bit more. Mitch is a little bit more susceptible, so he takes a little less. And, like, they, they gauge that, and then they all compare what happened. Like, that's a pretty, like, for for testing anything, I feel like that's, I mean, obviously you can't just test anything like that. But they have an understanding but, yeah. of, they're not just like, I don't know, we put diesel in this Tylenol, like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Because it's going to make us more sure. money. he knows so like yeah, but that that is way more practical than like I don't know. Let's take six years and shoot up this monkey and see what yeah. happens to him. When you could just be like, Creating "Hey Tyler, take junkies. this," and then like, "What are you feeling?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how like psychedelic research kind of got its start too. Like in the modern American right. sense, with like with the whole Timothy Leary experience down in like the late fifties, sixties. He got his first. Uh, not his first hit. No, yeah, no, I guess that would be how it would go, is that Aldous Huxley, uh, that's, this is where that's going, um, procured his first hit of LSD, I believe, in cahoots with Tim Leary. And Tim Leary was, at the time, either working in the military, I kind of think he was in the military, and then he immediately left right. and uh, enrolled in Harvard and yeah. started their whole psychedelic research program. But yeah. it was synthesized in labs and uh, controlled completely at first. They would have just a few people try these drugs together and they would go into it with the intent to document entirely their experience. But you kind of can't do that unless you do it. Sure. And mm-hmm. it's not worthwhile for me to listen to some admittedly uneducated person talk about what they're feeling because yeah. it's it's not good. <laughs> like, yeah. I, that doesn't give me good scientific data to implement, like to, to write a method. So one of the coolest, like when you're, they're talking about, you know, the creator of LSD, uh, the Swiss, uh, he was a Swiss scientist. And man, I'm terrible with names right now. Yeah, Cause I, I want to know that guy's name. I want to say Humphrey. Oh God, dude, we were like talking <laughs> about this not that long ago. But anyways, like the, the one guy, uh, the chemist that they were interviewing said, <laughs> You know, I I know him like where we we talk. And he goes, he he has said on record that he was susceptible to kind of just hallucinations when he was a kid, and that he he didn't remember taking the first hit of LSD, but he had this hallucination, so he thought he took it, and that's oh. what what made him think, oh shit, like this is what happens, because he he didn't re he couldn't remember how how it got in his system. And uh, this chemist in the movie says, you know, my hypothesis is he didn't actually take it. He just had one of these, like, kind of hallucinations that he's had before in his life and thought that the drug had gotten in his system and he had taken it. Huh. Yeah. So it was like it would be complete, you know, accident. He said his line in, the, in this documentary was, how does a German or Swiss 
scientists who are very regimented accidentally um, in, ingest uh, this drug. He mm. said they're so um, regimented and so like by the book, so clockwork that this just that just doesn't happen. Mm. Albert Hoffman. Hoffman, that's right. I knew it was an H. And I should have known that because there's a hockey player named Hoffman. So, All right, cool, man. And, and when I heard the name, I kind of connected it during the movie, but oh. yeah. See, related to him? See, do LSD and fuck it up on the ice? The puck looks super big. The likelihood of Hoffman having a predisposition to hallucinations and accidentally developing LSD. Right. Super low. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a simulate, like that was made up. Like that was, there's a script where they're like, all right, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, this chemist that they interview, like, is talking about him. I think it was Albert Hoffman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about him and explaining Mr. Hoffman. This. Yeah. I like it, to take chocolate uh, and trip on LSD. It reminds me of uh, whenever Joe Rogan gets on about fucking stoned apes and shit and people tripping. Because Shulgin then talks about his ideas of how our receptors right. originate in the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had never considered it before because I've never heard that hypothesis that perhaps we used to also uh, create our own maintain yeah. the, the production facility, essentially yeah. the metabolites oh. to be metabolized into these substances that yeah. can make you trip hard. But that makes sense, right? Because like there's that shit in our liver that if you eat like I don't know. certain leaves that have DMT in it, like lettuce, we would like trip balls. But there's something in our stomach where we developed where um, it we won't trip balls. So you have to like to do DMT, you have to take something and then take something to like counteract. So like a that thing in your stomach, some kind of inhibitor. Yeah, event. that was a really stupid way to explain <laughs> that. But you guys, no, yeah, listen. yeah, an inhibitor. That. So yeah. yeah, there is something. So. In that theory of, yeah, back in the day, there, if there was lettuce growing wild and we took it and we're fucking tripping balls and then like our yeah. body are like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. Yeah. So basically Shogun says our, our brains still have, or our bodies still have these, uh, psycho or psychedelic, uh, receptors, mm-hmm. but why do they have that if, you know, our body doesn't produce that? Originally, like that's what you're saying, right? That's what I thought he was saying. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense to me that if we were the, and and like, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. I have no idea because I I heard it. I didn't. You went there? Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) guess I just, I just thought about it because if my body produced, let's just say DMT all the time and I'm constantly tripping. Yeah. I'm going to look at a saber tooth's jaws or it's big canine four tooth and not realize that it's a predator and i'm right. gonna die so i likely will get removed from the gene pool mm-hmm. so do you not think that all of us would get removed well yes but so therefore nobody at all would ever trip again well you, no but it's the people who had um the body parts that created the psychedelics so we all have the receptors but then you'd think it would go the other way too, is that you could produce this, but it would be more effective to just not have a receiver. But uh, like, so you think both would exist, I guess is what I'm saying, but all we're left with is the is people the, with receivers. Yeah. We're not left with people without receivers, but producers 
Right. Because those people wouldn't be tripping either. Yeah. But it would be active in their system. They would just have no way to metabolize it. Right. But we are left with people who can only metabolize it and not produce. So would you not think that in an environment Although- constantly saturated with these chemicals to survive, the ones who survive mutate to have a receiver that doesn't kill you. Yeah. You cooperate, you evolve, you adapt your organism into partnership. Right. Or into at least concert with these drugs. So (laughs) people probably used to produce, but probably not that many. That's not why we have receivers. Sure. I think possibly one or two of us used to produce DMT or psilocybin, which is unlikely because we find it in other places in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. Animals, as far as we know, all animals don't produce self-hallucinating right. chemicals. Sure. Unless you have a predisposition to hallucinations like Hoffman. But that probably isn't a synthesizable drug like LSD. Like right. it's likely serotonin-based like LSD, but it's probably not the same kind of thing. I just, I, I intuitively see it the exact opposite way. Yeah. We don't actually come from people or humans, but proto-humans who used to produce drugs. We came from humans who used to consume drugs. Yeah. And you could eat all the mushrooms in the world because you're fucking starving, but one of them gets you high. Yeah. That guy's going to go on to tell everyone about it. Everyone else is going to come and eat that mushroom and then possibly, but again, it won't do anything if you don't have a receiver. Right. So I think that. So, and, just the pure fact that we have these receivers is fucking like yeah there's nothing that's evolved that was just like nah that thing has five legs and doesn't use the fifth leg like there's usually a reason why evolution Mm. (laughs) and like the way like our bodies work still fucking mystifies me right yeah man and it was all made in ten thousand years ago that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) like what is the benefit to us having these receptors there's there's no you know, especially for someone who who doesn't do like these psychoactive drugs. Yeah, unless you use them, they're not yeah. good to you. Yeah, well, it's yeah. just just like your. Um, I'm trying to think of a an organ that you don't need, like your people, spleen, yeah, penis, your spleen, or uh, no, you need that. Okay, I think appendix so. pen is just a useless organ, right? Pinky finger. I think that that's changed. I think the appendix actually does have a modern function. Wait, or, what? Um, well, then how can the people Cause, that yeah, because people get them removed. Well, you could cut your left hand off, and it's you're still alive. Like you yeah. could remove, you could take a kidney even. Yeah, that's you could still true. live. So if you're expanding. yeah, my theory was really weird. I was like, if you don't have legs, you're not a person. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's an um, old no, podcast. that's wrong. <laughs> but yeah, like there, there's like certain organs that you know we don't need to to survive, and yeah. they're just dude. Kind Cheney of, didn't have a heart. <laughs> He's still true. kicking. They're just kind of ancient relics, and it, know, yeah, like, like Cheney. And I still just don't. Can't fathom or understand the benefit that uh, these receptors had. Uh, yeah, there's definitely something in our mm. past, right? It's yeah. it is weird though to think that there was probably at a time no receptors in an ape-like body at all, right? And then, so do you think that was like this, like the stoned ape theory of like the receptors were turned on when they were super hungry and they're flipping over shit and then they eat magic or like psilocybin mushrooms that like opened up shit in their brain. 
Yeah. Because there's that period in history of like a million or two years or where I forget what it is, but yeah. it's a relatively short amount of time where a lot of crazy shit happened to people where they're like, we don't know why like yeah. the evolution was going like this. And for some reason it just shot right up. Right. So like, what the hell was going on? So you, you can't see my hands right now and you can't see my hair, but ancient aliens, the, show, the, the, <laughs> yes. the guy with the crazy hair is always like, Oh my God, God what's that guy's alien, name? Aliens. It's like George Secacolopicus or something like that. Some George, uh, really long oh, fuck, uh, Greek, yeah. Greek name. Not good with names today, but yes. But it, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. Um, but yeah, no, it, that's exactly right. And like, you know, like we know mushrooms now, like some are poisonous, some are, um, um, mm -hmm. Mind enhancing. Some fill um, your tummy up. Yeah. And so, yeah, and some are safety. Um, you know, like you said, you know, if, if this Neanderthal or like a, uh, early human ate these mushrooms and it fucked you up, uh, and put you on a trip, yeah, he's going to, or he or she is going to tell, uh, other, uh, Neanderthals or early humans about that, right? But then you pick up the one that kills you. Like, how, how did we fucking, Progress to okay, yeah. This one's good. This one's bad. This Cooperation. One's okay, you yeah. want your mind blown? And like in South America, like DMT, like how yeah. they figured out that like you take this one plant and then you have to take this other plant. Yeah. Look at where they are. Like they're in a place where there was like millions and millions and millions of different kinds of plants. Right. And they didn't have like textbooks where you're like, sure. hey, Jimmy did this one and this one and he died. So like, how the yeah. fuck? Did they ever figure that out? Whether it were like this one and this one, and then you're... Oh, Human history is rife with oh. tragedies. And I I genuinely think that that's just another one of them. Yeah. Is trial and error. That yeah. is oh, one of sure. the tragedies. I, the I had to have been. We like, don't know. But at a rate that is like so mind-blowing to us. Like that yeah. would be like inventing the car. And you're like, oh yeah, the first thousand people that got in a car, or like the first, yeah. A thousand is a high number of deaths, but whatever. Pick any number of like they all died. Yeah, you're like holy fuck. Um, but in, and there's just so much mystery to it too, right? Like, you know, obviously we don't know because we weren't there. We can't go back in time. There's scientific evidence of of some stuff, but yeah, you know, I don't think there's any scientific evidence of oh yeah, um, on this continent at this time this yeah. Uh, being ate this plant and figured that out yeah we we can't find like we can't know that yeah the first european like con conquistador joe over here hooked up with some native american in south america and took dmt in like 16 something and you're like whoa that would be a crazy trip yeah. for that guy which oh. like that probably fucking happened yeah so one of my favorite parts of this so when it started they they started talking to this dea, DEA agent retired Yes. And he's going on about, you know, how it was their job to rid the streets of, of all these drugs. So I'm like, okay, you know, this movie's about Shulgin, but they brought this guy in to kind of um, kind of be the, the other side of, Balance of the Balance it, get argument. the counter, yep. Which is a good documentary. Yeah, yeah. So he's going on, and then like three quarters away through the movie, him and Shulgin are best friends because he went to a psychiatrist, yeah. and the psychiatrist said, hey... You should probably try um, a psychoactive drug. <laughs> you remember in, all those people that you put in jail? Yeah. Maybe they weren't so bad. Yeah. yeah. His interview when he was like talking about like, yeah, when I was young and like doing a good job. And then he just develops a thousand yard stare. And then he's yeah. like, and then it all went wrong. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. But, and how fucking crazy. 
he never specifically says it, but so basically he had a childhood trauma, um, which he was kind of suppressing. And then when he went to uh, the uh, psychiatrist, it kind of came out. And um, that's when the psychiatrist said, you know, you should take these and maybe it'll clear. And that's when they were talking about like ecstasy, giving people empathy. It was the empathy drug. Mm -hmm. So he was in school in an old school building and the ceiling in his classroom collapsed and collapsed on the kid in front of him and pinned him in his desk. And the kid in front of him, I assume died. He never specifically says died, but it says it cracked open his skull and pushed him back. And the kid was bleeding all over his lap because he was trapped and he couldn't leave. And he said he had survivor's guilt. Like, why not me? Right. And then when he started taking these drugs, it let him kind of deal with those, uh, those feelings. Man, I missed that part, but that's a wild oh. fucking story. Yeah. yeah. Imagine you, that happening. Remember him saying that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I yeah. don't know what I was doing. Yeah, he was saying like it was an old school building and the, the ceiling just collapsed, cracked the kid in front of him. I fucking pin, imagine. Pinned him and they said the rest of the class like ran away screaming and he was stuck there just watching this kid in yeah. front of him bleed on him. No one on helped lap. him? Well, I mean, obviously they did it at some point. <laughs> yeah, eventually yeah. they all got out. Yeah. <laughs> but alive. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if the kid in front of him died. Like I said, he didn't specifically say. Sounds Wait, like he's, but he did say doing... he has survivor's guilt. So I, oh, I, I feel fuck. like the kid in front. Yeah, you don't get survivor's guilt by hanging out to the guy beside you. Yeah. Well, yeah. we both survived, but I feel really bad because I survived better. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think good, that's how so that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I so survived, yeah. but he survived with no head. But then, like, it goes to show his relationship with Shulgin and, like, mm -hmm. their best friends. Their like, homies. Yeah. Well, he said he's my brother. Yeah. And, uh, like, it's crazy to see the transformation of this DE agent who starts off the, the film talking about how, you know, they were cleaning up the streets. They, mm -hmm. they did really good work. And then to him be like, you know what? Maybe we did some things wrong. Yeah. This really good work was not such good work. Yeah. Yeah. The biological relics of our ancestors using drugs is much more fundamental than these historical religious relics that Americans pride themselves on maintaining yeah. like the DEA. Do you think he's pissed of like all the drugs that he put into custody that he's like, fuck, I could have had my hands on some good <laughs> shit. Yeah, totally. He could have skipped town. Yeah. Like, fuck. Man, yeah. And that, remember that one November in the eighties when we got that 80 pounds of ecstasy? Like we really should have kept some of that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, and like knowing now, having done so much ecstasy, yeah. it was good stuff. Yeah, that was Shogun shit, man. Yeah, that was Shogun <laughs> stuff. And like, I I mentioned this before we started recording. Like, and and Mitch kind of responded with, "Yeah, like Shogun was an intellectual like, but imagine sitting on that much. It, it makes me think of Breaking Bad, where you know, um, yeah. Walter White was a chemist. They were making meth, not ecstasy. Um, but imagine sitting on that much." drugs like you can just produce it like no problem yeah and like he didn't live in squalor but like no. he didn't live in a mansion he didn't he wasn't rich like Dude. You, you have you're producing this drug that costs a bunch on the street yeah and he didn't profit off it at all yeah like it the way that he was living was awesome but like how fucking cool would it have been if he's always in like a fucking purple shawl or some yeah. shit and it's just in like the most eccentric shit and then his house is just gold yeah and like the gaudiest looking wildest shit and he's like yeah this is where i trip balls I mean, he looked like, like oh. a, 
it was a nice pro- property. Like yeah, yeah, out, it's out in the country. Yeah, but in, even though it's like his research lab, and that's yeah. in heavy quotations, was like a, a, little, shed. a little shed. Even when the cops show up for some reason, they never really say why they got called. They are just in like their look on their face is like you got this chemical beside this chemical. Like this is gonna blow up. Well, and that's like his son. Um, they interviewed him, and he kind of just goes on and say, like... He's a nuts they, and bolts man. Yeah, they just kind of harassed him, like, yeah. you know, they, they never really did anything. He was never charged with anything. He was yeah, never that was arrested. Weird. They just came to do it. And the one thing that uh, Sasha said, he goes, you know, the cops had no idea what they were looking at. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say, like, too. Like, they were, like, so scared. of Like, you don't even know what the yeah, fuck you're looking at. They mentioned, they said, oh, you have ethyl ether in here. Like, it, this place could blow up. And they said, you know, get out of here. Get out of here. You can yeah. still... You can still film, but you can't be in mm. here. Have you seen the latest episode of Breaking Bad? <laughs> like, and, what? And then uh, Shulgin was saying that uh, the cop asked him, like, do you have any peyote here? And he said, yeah, it's like right at your feet. And the cops jumped yeah. jumped away from like they were scared of it. Well, they have, it's it's just a fucking cactus. Mm-hmm. They, they have no idea. Oh. Right? So. Why would they jump? Like, that's well, so weird. Like, there's a pound of weed over there. They're like, ah, yeah. shoot it. <laughs> yeah. That'd but, be like going to Marine Land, standing next to the shark tank. You'd be like, yeah. is there sharks around here? Like, yeah, man, just turn around. And you'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. That water's going to get us. How is it not getting us? Yeah. You don't really have to be that scared. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to Which is crazy of you. like that. those guys are that much on the edge and they have guns. Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, and it just goes, show, like, they have no idea why they're there. So obviously, someone's just told them, go... Um, yeah, harass. Uh, it seemed like a really secluded location too. So it seemed like yeah, they definitely were trying to prove something. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, so yeah, that was funny. And yeah, his son who was just his son was like, yeah, I don't like I sell nuts and bolts. Yeah, I don't stuff really you can find in the hardware store. Yeah, which is I wonder what's that mean? He just has like uh, odd sizes, like metric right? yeah. metric sizes. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's just kind of funny how he like you would think like, oh man, this Shogun guy, if he has kids, like his kids must have grew up with some wild shit. Like they are some ultra hippies or something. Well, and, and they're like, nah, we. And he he goes on thing. to say like when he's introducing himself, he said, you know, like I know my dad's a brilliant scientist. I never tried to be that because I'm never gonna compare. Yeah, um, which is and it's cool too that Sasha wasn't like you're gonna fucking be like me and you're gonna be like daughter, you're gonna create MDMA 2.0 or something. Yeah. And he's like, dad, do your own thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I think his dad was just laid back the whole time. He's like, I don't even... <laughs> man, I remember one time when you were born, and then I looked at you, and you were 20. I don't know what happened. <laughs> dad, you were high the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> but th- so, speaking of high the whole time, I sat through this whole thing. I was distracted a little bit by, by my thinking this, but I was like, I wonder if he's high. I wonder- mm. And then, like, three quarters of the way through the movie, it shows him actually, like... Sitting down, he's like, "Oh yeah, I have three pluses." <laughs> and so, Ooh, hey, yeah, hey. When Anne's throwing bird seed on, he's like, "Oh, oh, throw the bird seed <laughs> on the steps." <laughs> Those birds are huge. <laughs> I I guarantee you, he was high at what probably is Burning Man, based on what we saw. Okay. Yeah, Burning Man. I don't think I'd ever want to go, but Burning Man looks no. fucking insane. It does look insane, but um, I'd go in like an astronaut outfit to go for like a couple hours, and then just to like kind of experience. And you're like, all right, I'm out of here on MDMA for sure. But I was really, I don't know, saddened. I was like a little bit disgusted because these people. You don't go to Burning Man if you're poor. 
Definitely. And you don't go to Burning Man if you're poor and you don't know a rich guy. So like everyone there. <laughs> Why the fuck are you here? Exactly. So like <laughs> everyone there almost without a doubt is pretty well off. First of all, they, Absolutely. Can take, they can take the time out of their lives via, I don't know, like not showing up to work or you have enough money that you don't work at all. Yeah. Or the kind of work you do allows you or literally pushes you into Burning Man, in which case you're like a double, double times as worse than the people who just choose to go. But they all are bouncing off of the first couple of Burning Men. Yeah, I think the f initial idea was cool, and then it's just been taken over by like business and like tech, yeah. because that's what like the tech dudes of like what you were saying of they're the type of people that can just be like, well, you can't take a month off work. Like, I'm gonna go take a month and just hang out in the desert. Yeah. So like the the point of going to Burning Man now, I think, is to collect an experience or to simply fall back on that talking point of. I've been to Burning Man. Yeah. And I, I definitely don't think that's the right place for drugs. I fucked I, 80 people in the desert one night. It was awesome. I definitely also don't think that it's um, just a, a, a good place or even a real place to begin with. Because if, you, if you're going to Burning Man, you're either Alexander Shulgin, a journalist, or a participant, or... You're a showrunner, which is maybe even worse. Because mm -hmm. I don't think Burning Man was a super organized thing when it first started out. No. So they have a low-income ticket program. Cool. That's gross. Peasants, so, go to your left. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I hate the organization behind something like Burning Man because it didn't start as that. And it definitely has not continued into that either. So Why are you such an asshole? Yeah, I know. But it's, no, I ha I have heard your complaints of like other of like the tech industry taking it over, and we're just like, this is fucking stupid now. Yeah, like this isn't this is ridiculous. So everyone there, at least in this doc, the footage that we saw there, everyone there, I believe, is except for Shulgin, obviously, because he was there as a VIP, almost as like a, a talking point. He could have walked around that place fucking butt ass naked. No one would have said shit. No, everyone because, was like, "Oh my god, you're the man." Yeah, or they don't know who the fuck he is because they don't actually give a shit about this culture, yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah, they're not chemists, yeah, that's and if true. they are, they're there for Shulgin. <laughs> they're not there to watch propane jets shoot off their exhaust every once in a while and make a little light. Oh show. man, that's super sick with the background of the dark. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's rad. <laughs> so, these these people have seen Burning Man in one way or another via a story or on TV or something, a magazine picture, and they want to do that too. Mm -hmm. So they go, somehow they find themselves a ticket there via the low-income lineup, and then they act out this fantasy that has essentially been given to them. Yeah. And they include drugs in it so that it skews their perspective into yeah. thinking that this was a meaningful experience and that this is something you found for yourself and it's unique to you because you've never done it before and it's very special and, um, what's that word, like exclusive, um, restricted or unique. It's uh, clandestine almost, or at least it was supposed to be. And then these people... They, they burn all of their clothes or they, they symbolically throw a stick into a fire or some garbage. They're given a walking stick 
on their way to the Burning Man site. Uh, let's just pretend. And then they burn it in symbolism when they get there. Like, it's just fucking nonsense. Where the fuck does all the wood come from? They're in the middle of the desert. That's exactly it. Yeah. How does it get there? Isn't they truck it, it in. Is it's it a business, man. Utah? Like the salt flats? Uh, is, that, is that where it is? I would have guessed Nevada. I think it's in yeah. Nevada because yeah. I don't think it's that far from California. So, I don't think a bunch of like oh, the super cool people that Christian are describing are down to go to Utah. They're like, I'll go to Nevada. I don't think Utah is down to have them. But I'm not going. Yeah. So, yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, there might know. also be multiple Burning Man sites now, which is. Just, I don't think. So. I think it's no, just, it's yeah. the same. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So Burning I, Man. I we franchised it. <laughs> these these people who are there under the pretense of a drug experience or a spiritual awakening or a human collective experience, I think really are seeking out an experience that is actually what is called a simulacra, which is a copy of something that the original doesn't exist anymore. So wait, what you're saying is people should try and have like unique experiences to themselves? Maybe. Oh man. You're right. It is Nevada. Oh, that's but what I thought. It's, uh, but yeah, that's funny. Cause uh, like those people are like, yeah, I'm so different and unique. And then they're like, this is the same shit. And you've been doing the same recycled garbage yeah. for the last 40 years. Yeah. I think it takes place on a, uh, on a first nations reserve burial ground, it's the pyramid lake. Um, I'm going to butcher this word, but Paiute tribe police department is one of the law enforcement, um, groups that looks after it yeah so like this was intellectually designed to give you the most complete organic experience yeah. possible as a collective now we got free wi-fi yeah like that's awful that is awful you might as well have a fucking dirt bike rally on the nazca lines the uh man the, that's a good idea we should do that <laughs> no <laughs> you're out of here you're you're the one, the one thing that that's funny, like there's a shot, there's a kid there. I was like, I, I didn't think Burning Man yeah, was a place, place for kids. He's the biggest drug dealer. We should dealer. also say that, like, I don't know that that was Burning Man, but like, it's pretty. I'm likely. pretty sure it was. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. They were burning shit yeah. in the desert. I don't know but, any other festivals like that where it's all like crazy vehicles where you're like, my vehicle's a rectangle. That's so wacky. Yeah. Like, oh my God. You just summed it up in the perfect little mockery. Exactly. Like, I, I think it. it showed uh, like an overhead view and, um, the way it was lined out is like Black Rock City, uh, which is uh, the made-up city that uh, huh? Burning Man becomes yeah. the Burning Man site. Interesting. Oh. Okay, I thought that was the town in Red Dead. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, um, it just it was just a gross site. That so, happens with everything, though, right? Like it happened absolutely. with like Woodstock. Like the first yep. Woodstock, it sounds like this is cool, and yeah, then very shortly it was like, oh, this is fucked up. Well, I mean, yeah, I, there's only. Two Woodstocks, right? One, the one in '99 was like the 50 year anniversary or something like that, right? The first one was in '69, yeah, I mm. believe. And then there wasn't another one until New York, yeah. '99 was just like the 50 year anniversary, yeah. It's an interesting um, story, I guess, the origin story of like the first Woodstock and then the pseudo one that followed, which was put on by the Rolling Stones in California, New York 
like Woodstock, New York, I believe is where the first one took place. Yep. Massive. Mm-hmm. In literally. upstate, yeah. Yeah, literally nobody died. Like there was more LSD there than I think has any, have been anywhere else in the world. Wait, hey man, the Rolling Stone one, no, oh wait. Yeah. There were four no. people who died. Yeah. Because I don't know why. So in New uh, York. The on, Hells Angels, that's yes, why. That's exactly why. <laughs> we're, gonna get that we're moving in. So this also ties into Shulgin's like sort of start in the height Ashbury and like uh, the, like the summer of love really like yeah. 1969. Yes. Yeah. That was his awakening almost not literally cause he was synthesizing these drugs prior to that. But yeah. I think that that's really where this culture that he embodies found itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he was at that age where he absolutely was a part of it in a good way. But yes, not like in a Burning Man way. But he didn't really identify, bad. right? Like he knew what was going on, but it was just like, yeah, I never really went down there. Like yeah, I knew what they were doing, focused. but yeah, I'm he, doing my he thing. He said he had made contacts in that like kind of movement. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of helped his research or not helped, but kind of added to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least to make it more acceptable too, yeah. like to, to get the research out there. Yeah. yeah. So in Woodstock, New York, he, not he, but... Uh, nobody died at Woodstock. It was like a three or four, maybe even a two, I think it was a three or four day festival. I think it was a four day festival. Uh, nobody died, but there were more drugs there than probably anywhere else in America ever. They didn't really have like food and shit figured out either, but like collectively they came together and were like, oh, yeah. I got four hot dogs here. Yeah. Let's have hot yeah. dogs. It wasn't like, I'm going to shoot you and fucking take your hot dogs. Yeah, because I'm tripping on shit. So. Yeah. Nobody died at the Woodstock in 69 in New York, but about four months later, as far as I remember, uh, the Rolling Stones weren't able to make it to the first one in New York. So they put on their own in California. Four people died at that one, and the Rolling Stones have often and pretty much concretely been uh, tagged as the group to popularize cocaine. So... Like Mitch said, they hired the Hells Angels as their security. They introduced cocaine into the mix of this not even as large music festival. And four people died because I think two of them got stabbed by Hells Angels security and then two others overdosed. So <laughs> that contrast or that that situation is wholly different mm-hmm. than what has been described in other other things about the history of drugs in America yeah. to me and in this documentary where it was actually California that a lot of the good drug research was happening and all the good vibes, but their Woodstock was the one that got fucked up and the East Coast or the West Coast was having all the good times. The East Coast was kind of on amphetamines and they were on much, much harder drugs and then eventually cocaine, but their Woodstock, like their music festival, it was great. There was really nothing to complain about. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got seriously fucked up. There was definitely some changed people, but not in the same kind of way as the West Coast Woodstock experience. It's sad too how like that the West Coast Woodstock experience just gets lumped in with like all like the East Coast Woodstock and all like LSD and stuff that can be beneficial where they're like, no, it's just like cocaine and heroin and like it's fucking, it's all illegal and they're all fucking crazy. And then you sell it that way to people and sell it that way to kids where like that's way easier than to be like, well, I mean, if you see some traumatic shit when you're a kid, LSD is going to help. And they're like, well, what do you, what do you mean? 
Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So it's just so much easier for drug enforcement to just be like, listen, kids, don't do any of this. Don't touch your penis too. Your hands will fall off. Good. We got that covered. Let's well, roll. Just before we started recording, we were uh, kind of just Googling uh, um, like anti-ecstasy uh, ads. Uh, we're going to play one uh, for our intro. And they're heavily visual. Yeah. Very visual. Yeah. There's, yeah. Not, there's not a lot of talking. Um, like the one I think was an Asian one and starts talking about slitting your wrists and um, at the beginning was talking about making soup or yeah, something. Well, like, yeah, it was, a, it was a girl that was watching, watching a cooking show yeah. and she's saying, okay, we're making the soup. And then she starts, I guess, imagining this woman on TV telling her something and it's like, oh, slit your wrists. And then it shows her take a knife to her wrist. It doesn't actually shortcutting, but like, does she get into the soup bowl? That'd be cool. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, don't those, be a vampire. Those experiences <laughs> oh. in in those anti uh, drug ads, yeah, aren't what this documentary shows with Shulgin. Like, no. it's very very different story. Have you ever seen the PSA of like anti like drinking of like just the fucked up shit that like happens at a bar? Uh, it's, it's so just drinking and driving, Australia. but not just like drinking of like this yeah. is what drinking can yeah. do like the, the ecstasy they're not like this I, is they take ecstasy and drive a car and fucking kill 12 people yeah i guess the one i was gonna say was the drinking and driving ad. that's all i've ever seen yeah so it's just funny that it's just so vilified they're like right. oh no no don't do this you'll fucking fry a kid's head and they're like what the fuck and i mean full disclosure i've never done uh, ecstasy or neither have i but like i've known people that have done it and they're like yeah they didn't slit their wrist or like yeah. they like i know people that have like oh yeah i've done it maybe too many times and like i don't do that anymore but yeah. that hey i went down that road and i'm not going down right well, cool clearly i mr shulgin has done it a a lot of times yeah and, and he didn't die in his 40s so they're like yeah. what's it's something's going on here didn't have many adverse effects yeah uh, on him yeah maybe it's all in how you use it yeah, yeah. shut up <laughs> stop being so smart yeah what are you being logical? What the fuck's wrong with you? I think that was one of my favorite parts about this whole documentary was that first of all, it didn't follow the drug MDMA. It followed Alexander Shulgin. Yeah, this would have been weird if it was just about that. It would have been way more boring. It's just yeah. scientists, just like everything else. Yeah. yeah. But because it follows Shulgin, like particularly, he's a really interesting person. But yeah, he's kind of a cool character. Absolutely, yeah. man. Absolutely. Yeah. On top of that. He deals with a cool content as well. Yeah. Like he, he researches, well, I guess like consciousness really yeah. like at its heart. I think that's what he thinks he does. Yeah. And that's what I think he pretty much does too. Cause there's no way he just goes out and synthesizes chemicals because he likes to watch a bubble. Yeah. Well, dude. He likes to watch a bubble because he knows that he's going to get high later. Not, yeah. not high. I feel like I'm fucking taking a piss on his grave. Well, but and like, no, 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 like his wife says, saying. like Anne says, she was, I don't like, Ones that get you stoned. Yeah, like yeah. dirty. Yeah, like dirty high or something, yeah. as she said. Yeah, she's like, yeah. yeah. I don't she doesn't yeah, like yeah. the stoning style. Yeah. Right, yeah. Dude, the part that like blew my mind was when he was talking about whatever he took and was looking at a clock yes. and yeah. had the seconds slow down. And then he got his wife to do it, and they pretty much got the seconds to stop. And then he's like, well... What happens when the second hand stops? Do we yeah, like, die? If time stops, then like we've been told that like when time stops, we die. But like I'm still alive. So what's going on here? Well, and they're like, but, holy But they didn't get to stop. Cause, shit. Because Anne looks at him and says, uh, looks at the camera and says, no, 
he's not telling the the true story. Yeah, because he's a, he, he chick- pussed out. He chickened yeah. out. Yeah, he said, you know, it, they got it pretty much to almost stop, and then he was like, okay, get me out of this. <laughs> I mean, that would be scary though, because yeah. you have to be willing to die for your data. Yeah, oh. but the catch, and I know he would have been aware of this, is that if you die, you can't tell the world, you can't tell the living world what just happened. Right. Yeah. So even if you don't die in your mind, your soul exists. And that was, we'll talk about that later, but you can't tell people what just happened. Yeah. But if you survive and the second hand doesn't totally stop, you can say, well, it didn't totally stop. And you get to say that yeah. even if it's not a complete success to what you were expecting, you at least get to relay that information. Cause sure. you didn't Dang. die. Cause if he's right, he's died. He like, he's dead. Even if yeah. he's right, he's dead. I've just had a room spin. I've never had the, clock like slow down and go backwards or something (laughs) like that's crazy yeah there yeah there's an odd psychological phenomenon where that happens without drugs like without the the effects of exterior stimulants right where you look at a clock digital or analog it doesn't actually matter as long as it's counting seconds down um you look at the clock i can't remember what it's called um but essentially it looks as if that moving hand has stopped altogether, but it's because your brain is calculating or it's at least processing movement into a moving environment. So the clock hand is moving as is your uh, set of eyes. So when your brain sees, or when it's at least done moving your eyes into position, it needs to get a static frame to re-reference itself. So it just grabs the first thing it sees, which in this case is the second hand. But the underlying process of our brain immediately recognizes the second hand as a moving object. So when we see it, we create this static image of reorientation, but of a moving object. And we know that it moves. So it just appears to stay still longer than it really should. In fact, the clock is independent of your biology, so it's not actually slowing down. You are lagging. We, as humans, need to have a better frame rate in our eyes. We literally do. We need a faster brain frame rate. We can do that. We can upgrade. Yep, we can with crack. Neuralink, son. Oh, that, okay, we're going there. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That's how you get the third eye. (laughs) It's the tip of the crack pipe. Yeah. Yeah. You put it on your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Just leave a little burn mark. That's what they always talk about. So when Mitch was kind of describing uh, his kind of chemist lab, like it was kind of just like a little crappy shed. Yeah. Uh, The coolest thing on it was the sign outside that said radioactive material. And like, oh, I want that sign. I trust that sign too. That's a cool sign. He had all like the bottles of all his chemical compounds like lined up. Mm -hmm. And on each bottle... He had like he drew out the kind of the molecular structure, the molecular, yeah, yeah. The structure of each one, yeah, and then like his helpers, I guess his assistants mm-hmm. uh, in the lab were like, yeah, Shulgin calls these his dirty pictures. Mm-hmm. So that's where the title comes from, where we said, yeah, we'd get man, how cool better. would it be to be a chemist and to have one of those? Yeah, like oh holy God. shit, that would be like the... to have one of his actual yeah. models. Yeah, oh yeah. My God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or know. like new something, like even like if it was just a fucking 
like the Bunsen burner or something that he had in yeah. that lab that you're like, holy shit, that is so yeah. cool. It would be interesting to see what that property looks like now, where all those bottles went. Hey, it's a hotel. It looks pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Dow Chemical actually owns it. We were actually joking uh, in the documentary of like, because I think at the time when we were watching it, we didn't know that Shogun died. And we're like, man, he's put so much drugs in his body. You think when he dies, like Dow Chemical's going to step in and be like, we actually legally own yeah. this and we need to like d get some shit out of this guy's body because mm -hmm. he was on some good stuff. Yeah, we need to start a Yeah. I mean, Dow Chemical's not that evil. I don't think they would do that. No, no. <laughs> no, DuPont, though, on the other hand. <laughs> it's funny. Um, oh, never mind. I'm getting it mixed up with a different documentary. Forget uh, I said anything. All right. Well, when shocks catcher? No way. <laughs> when like we were talking about like Dow Chemicals, and I was like, oh yeah, like it was showing like different company names, and it showed McKesson. We have a McKesson plant uh, near here, but the fuck's McKesson? McKesson, like, like they make medical equipment. Oh, cool. I was, I was watching totally under control. Nice ethical people like that. The same. Oh, like yeah, I think they're a good company. Okay. I wonder if Dow Chemical ever made Oralac. That silver paint. Oh, yeah. For Probably. those. Uh, hey, hey. You'd think I'd know huffing paint so much now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm the best paint is snuff or snuff. <laughs> the huff is like Dow. Yeah, it's that Dow. The paint. 2000 Dow brand. 30, 343. <laughs> 343. You know, like, you don't know. You know the chemical, like the number of the color, like 3207 silver. <laughs> that's the best one. If you go to 3208, that's that's a plus five. That's no good. It has <laughs> nice after hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a mellow undertone. The and ethanol really mellows you out when yeah. you almost die. Yeah, it leaves my lips nice and glossy. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, girlfriend loves it. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> The forefront on, on it is just spectacular. <laughs> I want to write like Sasha does, but I forget and I just pass out. Yeah, so my journal's I empty. I forget. <laughs> Even so, your audio recordings are you just like, all right, here we go. It's just like a wine connoisseur, like explaining, drinking, like it's, it's full bodied. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this paint, this is something. This is not for ingesting, <laughs> only breathing. Oh, what? This is kids paint? Fuck this shit. You mix this with a fucking Bud Light, <laughs> yeah. you are gone. That's a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Shulgin was a, a pretty interesting character, and uh, I think more scientists should be like him. I feel like a lot of more shit, a lot but, of more shit that see, does not make sense. Yeah, it does. Stuff but, would get done because it's like <laughs> so direct. So one quite like, do you think he made all his money off the books he he made? Like, I think he had sick contracts with Dow and was just getting residuals even, even like a mother. Kicked, even after they kicked him out? Uh, well, he would have had like a decent package. They couldn't just kick him out. Yeah, you can fire him, give him one year's pay. That's all it. Even, I don't even know in the States if they have to give you that. Mm. I wonder how he made his money. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah I guess private those... synthesizing because he did have a DEA license. He could, he could do this well, work. So the DEA Yeah, that's say, a huge thing to have yeah. a DEA license. Like, that's insane. The DEA agent did, like, when it showed them being friends, you know, he did say that, you know, he helped them a lot. So he helped the DEA. He worked with them. Oh. So I thought you meant the DEA helped him. I was like, can they no, do that? He helped the DEA. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I would not do that for free. Yeah. I imagine that no, he there's just no up, way. 
yeah. contract work as yeah. a freelance and it, chemist. Dude, if he has government contracts, he could just be like, uh, uh, give me like $30,000 to look at this. He's like, you think you would have had a yep, better lab? Yep, that's MDMA. And I'm like, all right, here's 30 grand. I think you would have had a better lab. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of just doesn't give a fuck. And yeah. he's like, fuck all that shit. Like, I don't care that there's birds over here. Also, Christian and I were joking of like, man, any animal, like a squirrel that stumbles <laughs> into that shed what? is going to go back to his other squirrel buddies and be like, bro, let me tell you. He did say squirrels get into his lab uh, a lot. And oh, then, man. Uh, I wanted to see a squirrel like climbing upside down bird, and all Birds fuck come up. down the chimney and he has mm. to duck every time he opens the door in case a bird flies <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I, I think his lab was like that because yeah. it was like using a seasoned cast iron pan. Yeah. Yeah, it's any I think any. He's just getting comfortable in that environment. Yeah. yeah, and like perhaps maybe not with chemicals where seasoned equipment is better because it's yeah. probably precisely the opposite is true that the cleaner and newer the equipment is, yeah, the better and more pure your science will be. Yeah, it just seems like it's more, it's less air, less chance but of had, error. Or, yeah, he has yeah. a sense of comfort with it. I think yeah. so. It'd be like sitting uh, at your old piano like he does or your old guitar. Like Willie Nelson, I think, is one of the guitar players that has never actually changed his guitar. He brings it back to the same repair guy yeah. every time. And it looks like shit, but yeah. it plays really nice. Yeah. And it plays like Willie likes to play guitar. And so that's perfect mm -hmm. because Willie plays guitar. So yeah, like if, yeah, if you're going to synthesize drugs on your own for you, do it in a place that you like. Right. Yeah, if that you, totally makes sense. If you're not going to sell them. And if you also, if you know the chemistry well enough that these little impurities aren't going to affect the overall product, it's probably not that big a deal. So make it your own. Yeah. I was never good at uh, any of the sciences when I was in high school. Same. Um, so chemistry just kind of fucking blows my mind. How, like, he can sit there and draw out, like, the, the molecular structures. Yeah, that's like, crazy. Like, when... Uh, Showed him in the DEA agent uh, talking, and he's like, "Ya zing, ya zang, ya, ya, mm. <laughs> ya zingo, or whatever." Yeah, and he's even like, now you finish it. And the DEA agent did one little thing, and then he was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." Yeah. And you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, like that shit means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. I see it more as music. I mean, it also yeah. means nothing sure. to me, pretty much. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I, I was well, interested just, in science. just like written music means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. but someone Same. dropping down like a like a sheet of blueprints yeah. for you and like some of the work that you've decided not decided to do, but the work that you do. Yeah, blueprints make sense to you, and all yeah. of these measurements and square footages, material types versus right. the kind of residence that it's going to be installed in. Yeah, that'll make sense, and you could sure. even see like a recipe list of like, I have this kind of floor with this kind of footage and I have yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Oh, I think you'll get this. You can just give him a bunch of chemicals right. and the same thing will happen because he's yeah. just, he's so familiar with them. Sure. It would, it would really be probably no trouble at all. It would become second nature. We also saw him in, in like the last, the last eighth of his life as well. So he yeah. had been, yeah. he'd been exposed to this stuff day in day out it's literally in his backyard yeah mm -hmm. like true he sits there quietly in the waiting room i bet and just makes chemical compounds in his mind and it would be no different than someone telling themselves a new poem yeah. or writing new music in their head or designing a new building like been, literally telling a new joke even like joke writers same would, thing it would have been funny if it showed him doing like just whatever housework but he like for some reason doesn't understand how to use a rake 
And he's like this super smart guy, but it's like, what the fuck? And like freaking out. So they're like, oh yeah, he is human. That's cool. Or he has to build a birdhouse, but he like does it so fucked up and weird. Then you're like, oh, just stick to your chemicals, man. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, it is crazy that he can just off out of the blue, like yeah. right, like this is this. You're like, holy. I would, I would love to know, like, what percentage of his day was spent um, under the influence of a hundred and one percent any given day. Yeah, it was like a a, a writing day for Hunter S. Thompson, where yeah. like that <laughs> list. Where it was yeah, like, incredible. Yeah, by nine a.m. I've done three lines of code. <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, I I see Shulgin as someone who can dedicate a lot of their thinking towards getting answers for particular things. Mm -hmm. But it's funny when he starts to talk about how it changes consciousness because he never really has an answer. Like, his answer is that, where is it? Like, what is the soul? Where's the mind? Like, no, I'm talking about the mind, not the brain. Like, we know where the brain is and that other bald scientist who looks like the lead singer of disturbed also says oh it's all the brain and whatnot like yeah we don't give you drugs to fix depression fix depression to your stomach or anything so it was it was interesting to think that someone who ruminates on chemistry all day has the answers also to chemistry pretty much at hand he just needs to think about them and his knee-jerk reaction will be to get the answer right Mm because there is one It's, it's chemistry but when he philosophizes, really, is what he's doing, there are no answers. Yeah. And that it doesn't it doesn't really matter <laughs> how much you take or how many drugs you do or how little drugs you do or how much you sit and think about something. Some things are kind of incorrigible and there's there's no really way to really reconcile them with your life or even with an answer. Like you, you can make an answer up. Mm-hmm. But that's not science. It's not mm-hmm. a real answer. Right. That's that is a response. Perhaps it should be called not an actual answer. So for Alexander to sit there and make up chemical formulas in his mind and to ponder the effects of these new drugs, and then to shift gears and to begin to ponder what is changing in someone, because there are chemicals being introduced into this organism, but the effects are almost immaterial like he doesn't he doesn't have an answer but he's a smart guy like he thinks about this all the time Mm -hmm. i think i like we started with this i think that that's one of the reasons he does what he does is to explore consciousness i think he's he's just aware enough that his field of interest has shifted now from chemistry to philosophy sure or (laughs) <laughs> spiritualism i don't want to fucking go there because yeah I yeah like he doesn't really go there but yeah it's yeah there's a guy there's a guy in the documentary he's like a theologist and uh, yes yeah. so he kind of connects uh psychedelics with theology and yeah we, i was uh, saying earlier when totally uh yeah. when he passed away and like if if heaven exists like how long was he in heaven of like they're just like man you're super annoying because he's like so what about the soul and it's like asking all these crazy intellectual MDMA questions. They're like, get out of here. It's too much. It's a shame, too, that I think his life has been um, kind of typecast or like yeah. conditioned or limited or perimetered to being about MDMA. Because like this talk is about MDMA. I guess that's yeah. where it all kind of starts. 
or that's that's the kicking off point is that right. this is the guy who popularized yeah. or really synthesized MDMA as the compound. But he he means more than that, even to the field of chemistry. Because mm-hmm. he was, like they said, he was a bit of a rogue. He was doing this on his own. He was a maverick, I think is the correct word. So Right, yeah. Yeah, like, and you definitely need people he was a like rogue that. Scientist for sure. You need people like that for sure. You definitely do, but that means that he's the exception. Is if because not because you need people like that, but because he's so remarkably independent. Most people aren't, and that's why he's remarkable. But we're gonna get hopefully young some young chemist like hears about or knows about his story, and then was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fucking do that in my field." Yeah. So they're like, "Hell yeah, like that, cool." Definitely, people experiencing. Uh, bona fide and thoroughly existing or established field of study right. from the outside, like as a brand new newcomer, yeah, but not totally bereft of knowledge, I guess, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely offers new insights, like uh, his, his DEA friend who just added a single line to the chemical or the molecular compound that... Shulgin was working on. Right. This guy just drops a line in somewhere and yeah. Sasha's like, hmm, very interesting. I wonder I wonder. Like that's that's an interesting thing to do. I traditionally, even being a maverick, wouldn't have thought about putting that mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But it's definitely a chemical compound. Like it doesn't not exist. It's yeah, not, he's not super stuck in his ways of like, yeah. why the fuck would you do that? I do it this way. And then yeah, like, oh like, yeah, cool. So he he's like that. But yeah, I I definitely think that he's he's a valuable part of of chemistry as it is because it changes how people sure. do it in the first place yeah absolutely and i think he makes it far more far more human he engages the science as a real representative of consciousness because he's open to changing it and he's using it to its maximum capability yeah any final thoughts on on this one Man, <laughs> don't do drugs. No. Do do drugs. Do oh, drugs. Man. I'm not I doing those it. drugs. No, man. Like mushrooms. They Nancy grow. Reagan never lied. <laughs> she said, don't do them. What about if they're made of doo doo? Oh, then yeah, I don't know. All damn doo doo drugs. <laughs> like mushrooms. No, it was really good. Like he, Christian said earlier, when we started watching this, it was like, this is like an hour and a half. It was an hour and a half. Two yeah. hours? Yeah, yeah like, this is going to be a long hour and a half if it's just about MDMA. Like, we're just going to talk about scientists and then, like, rave kids. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And then when it got into what it got into, we're like, oh, this is cool. Like, oh, sweet. Yeah. That's cool that it's, like, he's like an Albert Hoffman type guy. Right. He was like, oh, yeah, I just did this, and this yeah. is what I do. Well, like, it's oh, it's nice to see a personal story connected to something we all know of. I don't know if we necessarily know about, yeah. but we know of. Yeah. Um. And then just to see kind of like that personal yeah. connection to it. Especially yeah. knowing something about it has been like so vilified. Like when we were in high school and shit is like, oh, don't yeah. do this. It'll kill you. One in whatever it was, will fuck, like a pill will kill you. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. Yeah. And then they're like, this, this is the guy that made it <laughs> and he does it all the time. Like what's, there's something going on here. Right? Yeah. Yeah, why don't you want us to do it? And that was one thing yeah. that I really noticed when they were talking about uh, ecstasy in the popular culture. One huge frame was uh, like an old 60s style PSA or even the early 70s, and it just said, the war, colon, ecstasy. The word ecstasy 
(laughs) That's not what it's saying, but that's what the image that I just saw said was simply the war on ecstasy. But ecstasy, if anybody knows that word prior, you're like, wait, (laughs) isn't that kind of what we're all shooting for? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the target is ecstasy. Maybe not literally. Like, yeah. Maybe the target is fulfillment, but like that's not leaving ecstasy out of the equation. Right. Yeah. But yeah. To just have a war in general on empathy. That's, I am not surprised that, that is that Donald Trump is the president. That <laughs> is kind of a funny thought because there's like government officials at the time, like the starting of the war on drugs, that were like, fuck, it could have been any other goddamn name. But it literally is fucking ecstasy. Like what how the fuck are we gonna sell this that this shit's evil? Yeah. Like we literally gotta be like, you don't wanna be happy. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. There's there's so much about this doc that is fantastic. I really liked yeah. how they brought up uh where Shulgin came from in the entire drug culture in America. Yeah. The Hyde Asbury uh references in that short clip of just downtown San Fran in the nineteen sixty seven right. to sixty nine. Like mm-hmm. what a ride <laughs> there's there's no doubt in my mind that that was probably the greatest time in the 20th century yeah besides like december 31st 1999 that <laughs> also was a real rocking time because well the world was going to explode and nobody really knew but mm-hmm. the height ashbury in the 60s was is probably the coolest space time I can think of on hand. Yeah, there was a lot of crazy shit coming out of there. Yeah. There, my, my absolute favorite story that comes from the Hyde Ashbury was at the Avalon Ballroom in uh, San Francisco. That was a place where there was a lot of concerts held. The Grateful Dead played there a lot. There was major, major be-ins, I think they were referred to as, where just people go to experience drugs and to turn themselves on. Oh, like a sit-in? Is that what it was? It's like or a sit-in, yeah. yeah, but they called it a be-in because it was a oh, human be-in. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's cool. so sick, dude. We're going to go to the human be-in. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. So they would have parties at this Avalon ballroom, but surrounding the main dance floor was a balcony, and they would have lights going. There were disco balls, all kinds of visual um effects going on but at the same time they hired puppeteers to be up in the balcony with life-size marionette dolls dressed up but strung down to the dance floor so when everyone was tripping looking at the lights and hearing the grateful dead marionettes are dancing around there are these effigies of people that's dancing silently covered in day glow colored paint, yellows and pinks and orange and green. And they don't have faces. They don't respond to you at all. They are, they're kind of where you're gonna go. But just, just the idea, the visual of a bunch of people in awesome ass hippie, hippie garb, but they're dancing next to these five and a half, six foot life-size marionettes. Yeah, it's so cool. Who are quiet and they're just, strung up oh it's, it's it looks really cool in my do, mind do you know the person that came up with that concept to actually have the marionettes yeah um no not on hand it would, just, I, it would be interesting to see their background if they were like a theater person or like just understood space and we're just like man what if we take a marionette but make it like this fucking big and we can do it yeah like that's that's so cool it was definitely 
part the promoter for that show. I I cannot remember his name. There were two oh, guys cool. who were doing shows out there. It wasn't Hate or it wasn't Ashbury? <laughs> no, <laughs> those were street names. Um, I, t- yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Um, if I didn't know that, I would want you to punch me in the head. <laughs> I guess it was in this doc. They do say, I guess. Um, no, it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was in cahoots with the promoter of those particular shows. Oh, that's cool. That uh, he would he would find all of these interesting attractions. There were two different kinds of shows uh, happening at the same time. Too, the Avalon Ballroom was really West Coast influenced, and uh, there was another spot. Um, the f- not the Fullman, not the f- some kind of theater. I can't remember the name. Um, Fillmore. Auditorium, maybe it was the Fillmore Auditorium. Actually, now that I think about it. it, yeah. Anyways, uh, that guy who typically promoted that venue was from New York, so the stage was very um, obvious. The show itself, the actual concert or the night, was very structured. There were uh, specialty laser lights. There were dancers hired. So it was, it was a different kind of show. It was just much more organized and to the point. Whereas the Avalon hosted by these West Coast promoters were far more organic and the actual participants would bring cool stuff. Cause that's why I'm not sure who did the marionette thing because no. of the style of the atmosphere of the show. It could have been anybody. Yeah. yeah. No, that's it, cool. It that's just been, a cool idea. And yeah. yeah. To have marionettes there. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine, but that like just that little story kind of seems to be the object of why people would go to these things is almost to be like the marionette. Right. Essentially, you might as well take your eyes out. You might as well take your ears off and your nose left behind. Essentially, you are this (laughs) soulless, senseless being simply (sighs) dancing for the sake of dancing and like just being. But I think that that's a lot of why the drugs took hold is because people were looking to come together you just wrecked burning man and wrecked being a person in like (laughs) two hours holy fuck we've been here for a while god i don't even know if it was two hours i just said two hours but that's my specialty just wrecking everything yeah just give me a call i'll explain (laughs) how it all is christian suicide (laughs) not prevention hotline like we (laughs) speed the process up yeah if you want to die call me listen up bud what you need to do (laughs) well so uh, you might have uh, have some more chances uh, next week. So I've pulled out a, a new doc for, for next week. We're doing one of these next week? Five broken cameras. Oh, my God. Do you, do you know it? Mm, I think I do. So Isn't it about, like, kids in the Middle East or something? Or, like, um, they were given cameras? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's like the war between Palestine and, and Israel. Oh, that's, um, that's a thing for a it, while, it right? It follows a Palestinian uh, farmer. Uh, who is taking like a stance of nonviolence against uh, the Israeli army? Mm-mm. So, wonder how that works out for him. Yeah. Okay, five broken cameras. Five five broken cameras came out in 2011. 2011. No, I like twenty thousand and eleven. I, I was gonna say twenty eleven. Then 20, what if you say like so? In that logic, now it's twenty thousand, twenty thousand. <laughs> the year. Oh my Absolutely. God. I like it. I'm in. That was yeah. why everyone thought the world was going to end in the year 2000. That's you right. can't have two 2000s together. We were using 16-bit technology back then, and it can only hold, obviously, 16 
pieces of information, bits. And the clocks were all going to roll back and everything was going to go to zero and collapse. I love that the youngest person is explaining the Y2K <laughs> to us. That's awesome. Did you guys remember? Did you know that? Do you remember? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so yeah, it has... Uh, You're probably too busy taking your typing classes. Tyler yeah. had like six jobs by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back next week with... Uh, so some Middle Eastern now. Uh, yeah, like this like, is our third or fourth one. Like in about the Middle East. The middle, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a region that has some troubles. Yeah. A troubled area. Taxi, taxi to the dark sides. Yeah. Heavy metal in Baghdad. Yeah. Um Would we say WikiLeaks? No, no, not WikiLeaks. Well, I mean, the the, there was, the footage was in the Middle East somewhere, wasn't uh, it? Where there was, um, the children were brought to the gunfight. The one, the Australian. Um, Oh Direct yeah, 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 yeah. The handicap, that crazy one, yeah. where he's like, "Now I'm friends uh, with only ISIS. The, only the dead." Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. that was probably a good yeah. one to forget. Good call. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be back next week uh, with five broken cameras, and as always, don't forget to um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, again, we, we're waiting for someone to send us a voice message on uh, on Anchor. Anyone. You can send us a letter as well if you know where <laughs> we live. Hey, that's a weird request. Don't do that. All right. Thanks, everyone. Do it. <laughs>